Welcome, everyone, to The Politics of Tyranny, the second podcast from New Polity, the people who try to deliver you the truth such as we see it. Indeed. No one else is doing that. Nah. Everyone else is just pushing something. It's a post-truth society. That's right. But not us, baby. <laughs> we're pre-truth. <laughs> um, so we're a little change of location if you're watching us on the Moving Picture Show. We're in this um, awesome office. It's got some ducks. I think those are geese. Geese. Thank you. <laughs> Representative, of course, of... Uh, Andrew and I. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> they they actually represent the difference between fanaticism and ideology. We'll let you guys determine the visual metaphor in the, <laughs> in the comments. Uh, a couple of apologies. I'm I'm just just moving on coffee today. It's sort of a co- that explains the, the yeah. Jitters. It's yeah, a okay. cocaine situation. Right? <laughs> I have a cup that says C for for crack, <laughs> and the table is also um, a little bit foul. I just realized this. this <laughs> But that's but we're, not we're, we're in this for. room because the studio is in the <laughs> yeah. final in the final stages of being uh, right. of being finished. So right, they needed us out of there. They told me to make that pitch, and I forgot why I yeah. was doing that. Yeah, so thank you <laughs> for all your kind donations and help towards the studio. Um, hopefully, after a couple more sessions in here, we're gonna look seamless. Yeah, just disgustingly like like YouTube perfecting the algorithmic the light look. and the sounds, the, the books. So yeah. it'll look like this is where we hang out and study. Like the, 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 <laughs> the, the autoplay will just like, right after you listen to like a Coldplay song, it'll be us because we're so <laughs> integrated <Coldplay>. with this. <laughs> oh man. Coldplay. Um, it's like, a, like, they're like the heat death of, of music. Okay. So, you know, they did, they did the music genome project, which mm-hmm. is like, let's, let's make all music related to each other. So algorithms can like play. Sure, sure, sure. Yeah. It's just the fact is like so you use like some Pandora or Spotify and like uh-huh. whatever you start with playing, you always end you up end up in Coldplay. Cold <laughs> <laughs> Why they're the best? Okay, they're the best in a sort of aggressively boring way. Oh, that's so awesome. Okay, okay, but we're not here to talk about Coldplay. Um, we're here to talk about fanaticism. I, I can't re- make that. I have down. to reset now. I yeah. know I can't make that change. <laughs> fanaticism and ideology. So I I think what's what. What we've been working on is is discussing the mechanisms of tyranny, right? So we believe we live in in a tyrannical age, and we think this is so obvious that it's barely even worth mentioning. It's just mm. like it's more a question of like, okay, given that, how do we discuss it? How do we how do we understand it? And then how do we live? Um, and we've been discussing that the basic basic definition of tyranny very simple uh, rule for private gain, right? The use of power for, for self-interest would be another way of putting it. Right. And that this doesn't just affect the guy or the guys or the gals at the top. It, it becomes the very structure of society. So the very way in which a tyrant becomes a tyrant is by other people participating as tyranny by keeping their heads down and working for their own private gain within, um, for the very obvious reason, just as a sort of recap that if you have a population that is not self-interested, they obviously will not um, tolerate a tyrant. Yeah. Because they're they're after common goods, goods, and the tyrant's not, and so they destroy him. Kill he him. never gets to be the tyrant. String him up by the flagpole, right? Yeah. So, um, sorry, I was just getting this. Never mind. It, it, meet me at the flagpole is like this high school thing. Yeah. Did. Anyway, I was just imagining stringing up a tyrant during that. Not the point. Okay. The point is, um, there's mechanisms of tyranny, right? That that mask this this uh, drive towards private gain, and allow sort of sweeten the bitter pill of the tyrant. And we've discussed a few. We won't go into, into great detail, but but bureaucracy, um, the use of large-scale uh, activity to the detriment of the appearance of the human person as a particular um, Propaganda. Creation. 
propaganda, which is the the ability to deliver a false world right. to a people that are increasingly um, scared, right, and need the coherence of a false world, and divorced from from coherent social worlds that mm-hmm. emerge from the relationships themselves. Yeah, <clears throat> and and maybe that if there's a through line through all these mechanisms that we could say, it's the destruction of friendship. It's the destruction. Mm-hmm of alternative sources of order, security, peace, abundance, things that make you say, okay, life is good and I can enjoy it and I don't need to do anything more in this instance. Those, those Loki of peace are, are the object of tyrannical destruction because once you have a people that are dispossessed, that don't have peace, security, ownership of their goods, wealth unto themselves, the security and love of family, friends, once these all become absent, suspect, then you begin to look to larger um, structures to provide that same peace and security. Yeah, so it. on the positive side, positive meaning the tyrant gains power positively because people are doing that. Mm-hmm. And then, but then also the negative side would be that without those, without those structures, those, those uh, sort of organic structures, I guess we might say, of peace, there's also no foundation for resistance. Right. Yeah, right. You... So like so if those those structures encounter tyrants, they have the ability to organize totally and to resist. I mean, think about the question, who are you gonna call? Right. Ghostbusters. Busters, right. But if, exactly. if Ghostbusters have been annihilated as an alternative authority, you can't call them. There's no one to call. It's tragic. It is tragic. That's a different movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs> do you think we live in an atomized age? I think uh, that's impossible as uh, sort of metaphysically. Mm-hmm. I think that we live in a increasingly atomized age. Sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It approaches a limit point. It, there that is, never there, arrives. I think that I, and this is something maybe we can talk today, talk about today. I do think that um, uh, atomization, before it can be perfectly realized, um, sort of mass suicide occurs. <laughs> New polity, baby. We're talking about mass suicide. No, and this is really what we're talking about. We talk about fanaticism. I think. Okay, so fanaticism so, is also a mechanism of tyranny. Now, I think we know. Basically, what we mean when we say fanatic, I think of someone um, who is out of control mentally and is screaming uh, about some devotion they have to a cause that they see as larger than themselves. Right, and it has Fair. a. And we in fanaticism, we yeah, we always have this sort of negative connotation to it because it has. I think it always carries with it the idea of sort of insanity. Right. I often get called a religious fanatic. Right, by which they mean you're a crazy person. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Yeah, so there's, and I think fanaticism also has with it the uh, um, carries with it the idea of the willingness to kill and to die. Okay, I mean at some point, right, right, right. right. Like yeah. the reason why fanatics are scary mm-hmm. is because they'll kill you, and the reason and 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 they seem to be willing to die mm-hmm. for this. So mm-hmm. they become, you know, think of like Islamic terrorists or something, yeah, yeah. right? Like they're scary because they're 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 fanatic. This is a part of their insanity, right? Right, right. is that their fanaticism has has um has has rendered the normal sort of human uh resistance to to killing and uh of dying um mute like mm-hmm. they've they've surpassed that or gone past that somehow mm-hmm. well it's interesting then that that the argument seems to be that a tyrannical age uh utilizes fanaticism or or is a fanatical age because i think what at least with our own age i think what what you would likely describe it all as is not a not a rise in just fanaticism but a rise in like ideology like we we have an age of um 
you know, people taking sides mm-hmm. of people identifying pretty strongly with with socialists, nationalists. And I don't. Yeah. Any number of things. Yeah. Right. So is and we it, often hear this, right? Like I, I very often encounter people who who say we live in an increasingly ideological age. Mm. Every, look at, look at totally. um, the corporations have become ideological. Right. Everything's ideological. Everything is, you know, is anything not ideological anymore? Is anything like people say these sorts of things? And I, oh, yeah. I, I think that's a mistake. I think that they're not, this is an ideology that we're witnessing. Interesting. Cause I, cause I think it's not just the, uh, you know, uh, nail biting liberal that's worried about everything becoming ideological. I, I also hear it like think about a common, catholic description of the transgender movement is to call it all gender ideology ideology right so there's yeah. definitely a, an impulse within within the church to to label yeah and, and and you know some of this becomes semantic but i do think getting sure. our language clear maybe can help us analyze this situation. Okay. so so i think that i think that it's a mistake because ideologies i, I think for ide for the word ide, ideology to have meaning that is useful to us we have to isolate it in some way and i think that what it means historically is is the the attempt or the ability that the the attempt to construct a a sort of ideal world or a mm-hmm. thought world right where all the pieces fit together mm-hmm. and there's a coherence to this this intellectual construction and then the idea that now the real world must be conformed to it uh, yeah right so ideological there there is there's still within the ideological framework the idea of the coherence between reality and ideas mm-hmm. it's just instead of in the in the classical christian understanding which is that we gain our ideas of truth through reality we live right. in the real and by by living in the real we come to know what's true mm-hmm. the idea the ideologue reverses that yeah. and says i know what's true i have yeah. a system of truth and now i need it's imperative that i conform the world of experience to that truth you, you know what i think of like as an, as <clears throat> for me a prime example of the ideologue then it's the liberal. Yeah, exactly. And I'm not right. trying to be mean because there's others, right? But it's like, okay, you have a real world mm-hmm. of families, of communities. Depend- all kinds of dependency little, relations. Little babies. Realities. Just, right, 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 know, right. You know, babies and old people and sick people that, that can't do anything without help. And you have yeah. all of this world. All uh, these forms of relationships that are based upon love and, and attachment right. and sentiment. And then, and then in this world, you pick up john locke and you're flipping through and then you look up and you say everyone is a rights-bearing individual that should maximize their happiness here on earth right and And all of their all of their interactions are forms of exchange right exactly (laughs) like what but but, okay but what makes it ideological is not simply like like there's a way in which all you're really saying is that what an ideologue is is someone who is wrong like, right. No, but, but it's not just that it's they're wrong. Activists. It's that then yeah. what they do is they take that wrong uh, view of the world that's right. that's derived from from human reasoning and not from humility before the real, and then they try to enact it. So for the liberal, it's very obvious. It's like, well, let's actually give them positive rights as listed out. Let's actually uh, make the individual valued over the familial unit. Let's actually. You know what I mean? Like, they, oh yeah, they, worse than that. I mean, let's actually let's actually create a formal system that denies the existence of the familial, sure. Like a formal system like, of let, let sons sue their fathers, you know, right? Like, like a formal system of individual action and rights and mm-hmm. equality before the law, which denies the reality mm-hmm. of power differentials and relationships, yeah, prior yeah. relationships, and then 
and then and then actually even beyond that view view anything that doesn't conform to that any aspects of society as retrograde as um as necessarily tyrannical yeah. right so like oh here's family structures where like the father has a lot of authority yeah. liberate that, yeah we have to liberate that we have to destroy that right so you get it, so this is why liberalism as Listen, an liberals I, if you try to liberate <laughs> my children but liberalism as an ideology then progresses predictably from Lockean and sort of libertarian modes to progressivism, right? Mm -hmm. Because that is the enact, the attempt to enact the ideology requires the, the active destruction of those aspects of society that are resisting a society of self-interested individuals. Yeah, so, so, so you actually see the, the attempt to destroy um, any any things that would make liberalism untrue exactly <laughs> yeah so anywhere where you see something that's untrue i mean you, when it's like wait we're limited by our bodies we seem to receive them by nature and can't just choose like whatever we want to do with them it's like not anymore baby we got hormone therapy pew, pew. yeah that's progressivism yeah exactly okay <laughs> yeah so you or you get these really really weird notions like like the only reason why there wasn't advanced capitalism in the middle ages was because the government <laughs> like restricted free trade or something like that right because yeah. because they they can't the, the ideological system only has those explanations right right so like if you read hayek or somebody where it's like you, you your choices are individualism or collectivism and anywhere anywhere where the where, where capitalism isn't prospering you must have some form of collectivism which is always a form of domineering totally right and so he'll just directly go to into the middle ages and say that all of that was just was tyranny bunch of bunch of communists yeah they were basically communists like he seamlessly transitions between <laughs> between pre-modern and, and and late modern forms of collectivism which is really weird oh, but but this is what's required of the liberal ideology okay. right okay so ideology is when you have an idea about the world that's quite wrong you're not deriving it from the world itself and yet in the spirit of pride you attempt to enact it and ultimately end up violently it requires it's a war real. against nature right a war, war against the real against but but the thing about ideology is is that it's really it's really still sort of a, a heretical movement or or still sort of participating in the christian conception in some way because it still has this idea of a conformity between the idea and the world yeah right right there's well, still some notion of truth there's right. still some notion of justice even right because right? when you talk to an ideologue so, if you have something wrong with them but they're if you say okay i think your idea is wrong here mm -hmm. you're still arguing about the real world so they're gonna say no 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 it really is correct that the world is right. this way people are naturally selfish and that's selfish right yeah. and let me show you how even if the I, the way they show you is bonkers Right. The method is still to say my idea, in fact, conforms with reality. Indeed. So, okay. so now, so that's an ideological. Now, what I what I think happens is that, it, and this is a sort of historical picture, I guess, is that when when the Christian West, so Christian Europe, uh, Christendom, is being um, dismantled, uh, and so I'm talking about 18th, 19th century, uh, you know, the sort of final dismantling of the Christian uh, civilization, it's done in an ideological way. Okay, so you have ideological factions, socialism, nationalism, liberalism, right? Ideological movements that are proposing alternative orderings of the world and then seeking to enact that. And, right. and, and in doing that, and as they gain power, so as they gain power over the course of the 19th century, what is happening is the destruction of those 
non-ideological sources of order, those things we were talking about earlier, family, friends, whatever, guild structures, villages, whatever, all right, of right, it, right. right? Moral codes, the whole thing. Yeah. Okay, so what it ends up creating then is this atomized, this increasingly atomized population. All right, so this is what happens over the course of the 19th century. Right, because if it's true that 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 they're wrong, like that the yeah, ideologies that are wrong, then then the kind of people that they would produce would not be happy people. Right. So they're destroying they're destroying the the the, the points of solidarity in society in an attempt to replace it with what they think is the proper mode of solidarity in society what ought to be but that, but that's a fantasy it won't it doesn't work mm -hmm. so what actually happens then is uh atomized and increasingly anxious lonely unhappy people these are then the people that are susceptible to propaganda right so now we get into what we were talking about with propaganda which is the attempt of the ideologues initially to to make it really happen okay the problem is human people just need to need to develop into the type of person who we posit human beings ought to be right and so we're going to propagandize them into that right so you're creating these fictitious worlds that people are then sort of initiated into and then because they're atomized and so desperate they're attempting to conform themselves to these to these yeah, worlds and, and i don't <laughs> i don't mean to get you off track at all no it's I think fine it's, it's important to when you think about like our our tv world mm -hmm. i mean we have like we have these ideals within i would say roughly what you might call liberal progressive ideology we have a certain ideal and and we can't achieve it in reality right we can't um but what we do is we create a propaganda regime that achieves it and That's then we, right. we look at the propaganda so what i mean is this it's like it's like we really want some good things like like racial equality right mm -hmm. But we look at the world and we're like, oh, people aren't actually like that. Look at this history of racism. It's horrible. So we create like historical uh, TV shows where we just have like complete equality. And it's just like we're going to make history look like that. And then it's so weird. Or you think about like we want we want equal rights between men and women or we want like an equality. So sometimes the, the real progressive thing is like actual equality, not right. just like equality of dignity or something. And so we just make TV shows where like that actually exists. Exactly. Yeah. Like yeah. Women, 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 secret agents beating up men. Right. Yeah. It's Things awesome. Like that. It's and so you, and cool. You, you the watch way it they're so like ninjas. Often. Yeah. But it's like in the real world, of course, that, I mean, that's not the way the real world works. But, but, it's, <laughs> but that's what's horrific about it, right? Is you create a people who are attuned to a false world that achieves the ideology. Like right. we're all achieved there. Look that's at that. Right. Everyone's equal, and then equal and then powers, and then how and then equal. in the world you think about the world of our of our propaganda where it's it, the obviously the the sort of basic unit of society is the mature, self sufficient, mm. unattached um, individual yep. who's satisfying his you know has his friends and his job and his things and is doing stuff and 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 is depend neither is anyone dependent on them and they're not dependent on anyone else. Right, right, right. That becomes the character of all of our. All, of, all of our media you watch you watch right? you watch him and 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 then when you compare your own life and, and this is the reason why i wanted to pause on this is because sometimes we can say like atomization as if it just somehow somehow happens but what right. i mean is just think about this you look at a world and increasingly um at least for americans we spend most of our days looking at screens most of our waking hours are consuming media yeah. right looking at this world right in which the the progressive liberal uh, regime has achieved itself in this propaganda world 
right? Right. So we watch that, we watch that, we watch that. Yeah. And then we turn to our lives. And it's not that. It's not that. And and, and then you think about that liberal. And so that's what I mean by atomization, by the loneliness, by the, it's the failure. That's right. It of fails. the world. But it, why does it, but we never, psychologically, we don't make this connection that it fails because the propaganda is a bunch of BS. I mean, sometimes you do, and that's a great relief, right? Mm -hmm. But what we tend to do is it fails because something's wrong with me. Or the world, or, or the world. Right. So, so. So like one of the one aspect of the, the propaganda world is that everybody's happy. Mm -hmm. Right. So like think about how like TV shows during COVID don't have anyone who's suffering COVID. It's like we watch shows of people without masks and without like the fear of that, even though they're like contemporary, they're ha like, you know, there's shows yeah. about something happening now. Yeah. Or you you pointed this out, so I'm just going to steal it. because That's all right. You know, I, I like it. I like I the idea of it coming from me. Okay. Is that you can in, have it. <laughs> Uh, so like in whatever Netflix show or whatever, whoever's making shows these days, um, that we consume constantly, it's like no one's on their phones in the shows. Right. Yeah. Because you can't have shows about real life in which people actually live the way we do, because then you would just be watching people watch things. Yeah. And then, and then it would become this infinite reflective thing where you're watching people watch things, watch, watch things, things, right? Yeah. It'd be like this mirror. Situation. Like we could watch over their shoulder. And whenever they try to do this, right, where they have like people... <laughs> Like in spy shows or like uh, Sherlock was doing this where they're like texting and you like see the text there. I mean, it's, it's so lame. <laughs> yeah. But you have. But but what I'm saying is like like the world is actually delivered um, in such a way that if you believe it, you can't explain or you, you it demands an explanation for why your world is so right. sad. Yeah. So why are you not happy when all the why people on like TV them? seem happy? Totally. Why are you not happy when everyone in the commercials seems happy? Yeah. Why, why, you know, and, and this can be confusing, I think, you know, so, so we think, oh, look, you watch the stuff, everyone seems happy and high functioning and independent and all this. And then like suicide rates are way up, drug abuse is way up, alcohol abuse, you know, like so to such an extent that our life expectancy as a population is declining for the first time in 150 years. Right. Like, and that disconnect, right, that that disconnect is, I think, where we start to see the emergence of fanaticism here. OK. OK, because so what. The, yeah. Go ahead. Yeah. So what, I, what I'm going to say is that is that ideology fails. Right. Because it can't ultimately deliver what it promises. It can't destroy reality, even though it's trying to. And so human beings are living in this kind of dual world. Right. Where we're living in a world of propaganda and ideology and then also in in, in a real world and the incoherence between those things is is i think the source of the loneliness and the anxiety and the fear and the frustration right and a mounting frustration so one of the things that i think that that can happen there's this this opens a possibility for the tyrant the situation um because you can the ideologues are struggling for so many decades to do this and then at some point the ideologues themselves or you know the, the people who maybe are more perceptive than the ideologues the sort of post ideologues realize that this disconnect itself is an opportunity for power okay. okay because because what you can say is well why do you not have the happiness that is on tv because of those people why do you not have it because we still have this real power structure that's keeping you from having it mm -hmm. why do you not why is the world not making sense to you why are you alone and afraid because there's actually these these huge powers that are arrayed against you right Same, yeah. yeah that you we need to just we need to finish the 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 revolution or we need to complete this process we need to eradicate these these forces that are keeping this perfect world from becoming real right it's never that the ideology itself is wrong 
It's no, yeah. Something is preventing it. Something is preventing it. And so, and so fanatics then, so the thing about fanaticism is I think it's that transition away from a utopian, right? A sort of utopian ideological world okay. into a world in which the, the conflict itself becomes um, the sort of uh, uh, experience. Mm, yeah, so okay. it's, it's like you're no longer in the mode of like believing that that the ideology is true. So you're not saying like, okay, I've I've read Marx, and I think he's pretty much right. Right. And I want to, you know, enact the ultimate utopian vision that occurs within total communism or whatever it is. Right. So like that's not even a part of the fanatical equation anymore. It's like, no, the fanatic, the fanaticism. Um, uh, so the fanatic himself, I think, truth is no longer relevant. Sure. Right. So, so what is relevant is making the pain stop. <laughs> or another way of saying that is winning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You know, achieving peace somehow, achieving Believe. some dignity somehow. Please, some form of some hope in my life, something. Yeah. Right. And and once and that then becomes the end. And because of that, the truth becomes inconsequential. Right. Totally. So the the fanatic will become will become wants to be on the winning side, right? And the fanatic is in, unconcerned about, I think, it, it ultimately unconcerned, maybe at a subconscious level, about the the sort of intellectual truth, right? This is the reason why they'll essentially believe anything, right? Yeah. Right? Anything that anything that the power that they've aligned themselves with tells them is true, right? Any enemy that the power that they've aligned themselves with, um, any any enemy they point to and say that's the enemy, right? So is it they'll that, believe it. There's a there's a relief. Uh, in this because if the world that's supposed to exist isn't being isn't your life and then what the turn to fanaticism is is saying well it's because there's an enemy that is preventing this world from actually being your life that's right yeah there's an enemy and and because then the the political like your political consciousness no longer becomes like how do i how do I actually believe and enact the positive world that I believe is possible? You don't even, you're not even concerned with that anymore. Um, the political consciousness itself becomes, how do I win over the enemy? Right. Gotcha. So, so fanaticism you're saying is essentially enemy oriented. It's not like, right. It takes on, a, I think that it takes on an essentially enemy oriented form because the enemy becomes a monster. Okay, so so if you if you're living in the propaganda world, that's mm -hmm. that's your world. Well, who would oppose that? Right, totally. Right, who's who's making that not happen? Yep. Well, that must be a crazy person. It must be not really a person. It must be. I mean, they're they become monsters. Right. right? So 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 I th I think you see this on on. I mean, you could use like the right and left right now as as obvious examples, right? right. Like, so for the sort of Trumpian "Make America Great Again" crowd, they're watching the propaganda of you know, essentially the fifties or whatever. Yeah, their side. <laughs> yeah. Right. No, they had their yeah, size yeah. propaganda that's right. saying like, okay, this is this is the world of like of order, of law, of love like, of country, love of family, yeah, happiness. Yeah, yeah, right, yeah. right. Prosperity, economic prosperity, America's the whole thing. Great. Yeah. You would have to be just a demon to oppose this. Yes. Like what demon doesn't want a prosperous country? What what demon doesn't want And they say this, they'll actually go to it. So they'll say, well, because the other side are communists. Mm -hmm. And the communists are destructors in their nature. They take pleasure in, in the chaos and the destruction. 
Right, they're monsters. That's the take. And then on the other side, just to be fair to everybody, right? I think it's more pronounced on the other side. Oh, I know they're the worst. Yeah, <laughs> but I wanted to get get in our like jab at the right so that we can justify our more extended jab at the left. That's <laughs> <laughs> well, because the left are the left are more properly the perverters of Christianity. I mean, it's some somewhat what makes them sympathetic in some ways, but we don't need to talk about that. Okay. The point is that the left, um, you know, have a world of, um where the only opposition to that world would have to be because you hate someone, right? Mm -hmm. Like, okay, you have, you want, you want equality between the sexes or something. So the person that doesn't want that must hate women, right? So it's like hatred becomes the char characteristic passion of mm -hmm. the other side. Right. But, but that means that there, there's no, what, what's gone is any thought of like, well, they were probably also trying to achieve uh, like a true coherence between uh, the, an idea and the real world, and then they were they got it wrong. Right. There's no sense of that. No, 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 no. Your your opponent is like I said. Your opponent is a demon, not not a human being who's making a mistake. Right. He, he, right. They they know so, that they're wrong, and they and they want to destroy, you know, the utopia. Yeah. So you're living in this. I mean, I think it's really important that we get the psychology of this, right? Because that way of viewing the world is crazy. Um, I mean, the fanatical way, because we all know that um, that as soon as we actually get into the room with another human being and start talking to them, we realize they're not a monster. Yeah. Right. Yeah. So so the idea that we're positing other human beings as monsters is already dependent upon a, a real psychological um, uh, disorder, social disorder. Absolutely. Right. So we've been we've been isolated from each other. We've been sorted into these demographics, these prop that propaganda has sorted us mm -hmm. into. And we've conformed ourselves to those things. We live in worlds that are incoherent, lonely, and scary. And so we try to figure out why and, and, and find the enemy, right? And are given the enemy, again, by the propagandists. Um, uh, but they find fertile ground in our already sort of mental disorder. Absolutely, yeah. Right? So that's And, and so, so they, they, they are capable, this, this, the tyrant then is capable of, of, of using fanaticism so positing this enemy now the thing that's crazy about this or really interesting is that the, the tyrant then who does this who makes the switch from ideology to um fanaticism as a tactic then encounters the problem of the lingering ideologues mm. right <laughs> because the ideologues uh believe in things <laughs> right so so historically this is actually we actually see this occurring right so so you know the bolsheviks the Bolsheviks' ideological um, communists, socialists take power in Russia. The ideological warriors, you know, the Red Guard, the fighters who, who, who overthrow um, the, the Russian government and, and win the Civil War. And then as soon as it's established and they, and they start um, transitioning, and we can talk about how that happens because it's a big, a big process. Um, one of the things that has to happen is the purging of the ideologues, right? Because the ideologues are a threat to the tyrant's power, right? Because they... They might think he's wrong. Right, right, right. So they're, 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 <laughs> they just demonstrated that they're willing to fight for truth. Right, right. I mean, that's that's like what they are. Yeah. And so they they are they're not they're not conducive to this consolidation of power. Absolutely not, because they at any point must might. I mean, I'm thinking of like the Bolsheviks might say like, no, you don't understand, like like true communism. Right. You're wrong. Yeah, exactly. What you get, you get within within the original Bolshevik first, crew, yeah. right? And so they turn on each other, and then they start fighting each other, and and so ideology becomes it, it it becomes itself a problem 
for for the tyrants, even though it was it was necessary for the original, uh, uh, I think, assault on traditional society. Like mm -hmm. you had to have an intellectual system that could that could that could um, sort of justify and 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 coordinate the attack on the traditional well, order because people people want truth want <laughs> and and these traditional orders order, ordered towards truth and so you have to replace it with another form of truth did the did the did the nazis do the same thing yeah so the nazis had had a similar problem the thing the nazis are a little bit different i think um because what happens in germany is in in, in after world war one in weimar germany you, you really have the creation of this sort of disordered, atomized, desperate society. And it starts moving into, into various fanatical factions. So you have the communists are, are a very real fanatical faction. And the, the response or the rival is the Nazis, right? Mm -hmm. Various forms of fascism, but ultimately Nazism. And, and so the Nazis can rise to power with by 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 them being the fanatical side whose enemies the communists they defeat yeah okay so they defeat the communists um and and that that's the springboard for their power right. the bolsheviks have a problem because in in russia because the society has not yet become this disillusioned atomized society russia is primarily an agrarian peasant society it's pr primarily still pre-modern in its order right right and so in order for them to progress past the ideological stage into the stage of fanaticism, in order for them to progress into that sort of the consolidation of power, they have to destroy um, solidarity, right? Any, any, as much as they possibly can. And they do this. This is the reason why the Soviet experience is so horrendously bloody, right? So what do you do about the peasants? You forcibly collectivize them. You destroy their communities. You destroy the villages. You move them onto forced farm, you know, collective farms. Mm -hmm. You and and what does this re result in? Famine on a massive scale and the and the murder of millions of peasants. But that's what it takes. Mm -hmm. What do you do to destroy family friendships, neighborhoods, all of that sort of thing? You institute the the terror of the secret police, right? And this is something that that is as often confusing to us because you you see what they do and it's like man this is really weird right they do, the 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 secret police have things like um like in the 1930s quotas where it comes down that you need to arrest 500 people from this neighborhood and and we'll we're going to execute them or send them to the gulag right and it's and it's like a quota just like which 500 well it doesn't really matter which 500 now why would the soviets do that right like why would the communist party initiate regimes of indiscriminate terror and what and what you have to understand is that the indiscriminate terror is the point the point is to create a world of incoherence a world of terror and a world of chaos mm -hmm. and a world in which you can't trust anyone mm -hmm. right that you better not make eye contact with your neighbor because you never know when he's going to give your name to the secret police mm -hmm. and the secret police have to compile a, a list of names every week and yeah. so anyone who gives you a, gives them a name, they'll take it. Right, right. Right. They don't care whether or not you're like innocent. And so the destruction of solidarity of any sort of networks of sol solidarity is the creation of this atomized world. And because they didn't find it already made by liberalism, right, right, they had to force it into being, which right, is right. the reason why it's so horrendously so bloody. The Bolsheviks produced the atomization that we already like for Germany, but also more generally western europe western and then the united europe states yeah experienced already by yeah. a slower process of industrial capitalism and liberalism exactly doing it to us like exactly we already moved everyone into the factories we already 
uh, put the cities out. We already privatized all the land. We already the agriculture was already commercialized, like you're saying. Yeah, this yeah. is already the family's already been undermined. You know, yeah. uh, communities solidarity has already been I get that been destroyed. Yeah. Right. So so you have this sort of and this is they're explicitly doing this, right? The, the communists know they're attempting to speed up history. Yeah. Right. right, like history needs to be sped up because they have this whole. By which they mean what happened there. <laughs> yeah, well, no, literally. Yeah, right, because their whole story is that there's this, there's these stages of history, yeah. and you don't get to communism until you pass through liberalism. Right, right, and well, Russia never passed through liberalism, so oh, we got to do it. So fast. we got to, well, we got to fake the consequences of liberalism wow. in order to skip straight from the feudal to the communist. Wow, right. So, so that's what they're attempting to do. Similar thing in China, a cultural revolution. Sure. And, and what Mao is doing in China, also why, you know, tens of millions, if not hundreds of millions of people are killed. Okay. It just, I would just say that it's a, it's a sort of, there, there's a certain higher temperature to that take because what, what, because usually communism and, 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 and liberalism are, are opposed. Yeah. But, but what you just said, just to be clear, is that in order to, to, to have communism, the communist regimes actually just did liberalism really fast and hard. <laughs> well, that's what they were At trying least in to, its consequences, right? That's what they're trying to do. Um, I mean, that's what it's not like that's an analysis on my part. Like that's literally what they say they're doing. Sure, yeah. Right. And, um, and it's also true, right? So like, like that is what's necessary. Sure. So it, this is something that we, if we look at the encyclical tradition, Pius XI calls out in the 1930s rather clearly that, that, the totalitarian regimes that were rising fascism and communism, he very, very emphatically and re with really hard language says is only possible because of the ground clearing that liberalism performed gotcha. only because of the creation of the atomized desperate masses yeah. is social is socialism or fascism rising. I mean, he just says this because right, then they'll believe anything, not because they have discerned the truth of socialism, nationalism, fascism, or, but because they are scared and lonely and need to be attached to something that gives them security and peace and belief in the future. Yeah, and I think that there's in human nature so so the the ideologue the ideologues and the tyrants have a very pessimistic understanding of human nature, right? So human beings if you look at someone like Hobbes, John Locke, whatever, doesn't matter, Marx. Human human beings are um they posit that human beings are in fact self-interested. So, so that, so they already maintain that human beings are tyrannical. Tyrannical, yeah. Right. And so, and, and, but that's not true. So, so the move into fanaticism is, is, is weird, right? Because in a sense, it's a move into martyr, a form of martyrdom, right? Like the fanatics are willing to die, you know, and, and that's a confusing, that would be a confusing thing for a, a tyrant who was still an ideologue. Okay, because he would. They're all self-interested. They're all self-interested. Why are they willing to die? <laughs> you know, it doesn't make any sense. Right. And and I think that the move into fanaticism then becomes cynical, mm -hmm. because now you're preying upon, the, like you're preying upon human beings actually not depraved nature, right. fully fully depraved nature. So now I'm desperate. I'm lonely. I live in an incoherent world, and I'm willing to fight the bad guys yep. to make that stop. Yep. Right. Um, I believe in good and evil, mm -hmm. and those guys are evil, and I'm good, mm -hmm. right? Which is which is which is not a, a part of the ideological system, right? Like they don't have that kind of. In fact, all the ideological systems, maybe that, that forms of nationalism are a little different, but at least the, the 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 rationalist ideological systems are materialistic and devoid of morality, right? I mean, that's sort of the idea. But the fanatics become moral moral fanatics, yeah, totally, right? Um, 
And so it becomes, I think it becomes uh, an inevitable consequence of ideology to the extent the ideolo ideology is realized socially. And fanaticism is like a stage in ideology. Like this is what happens. Mm. But, but the, ide the tyrants shift and become cynical. Right? They, they, know, they themselves are no longer ideological. Right. Um, and this is, this is an important... So, so, you know, so I think we see this... Um, it, it's weird. So if you, look at, if, you look at, if you look at European history, it's a good example for this process. Okay? So you have... We've already sort of talked about how, how it starts out as a Christian civilization, which is then attacked and, and systematically dismembered through ideological moves. Mm -hmm. Right? Ideological, um, um, political, and military moves. And then that collapses into fanaticism, all right? So mm -hmm. it, it transitions into fanaticism, um, especially in the early decades of the 20th century, which then culminates in the Second World War, right? And, and we tell this story about the Second World War, right, where, where we are, um, you know, us in England are like these major players, and, 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 and that's true, right? But it's a little bit, we, we're telling the story in a, in, a, in a somewhat distorted way because of who we are, right? Like the real story of the Second World War is the war between fascism and communism, right? right? I mean, the real war, the biggest war that ever happened in the history of mankind is the war between Nazi Germany and, and the Soviet Union, yeah. right? The Eastern Front is the war, yeah. right? <laughs> okay, so, um, and the Western Front doesn't even open up until the very, the very end of the right, war, right? right? right. And, and it's, so the, this is a war you know, between fanatical um, societies that that require that each other as the enemy, mm -hmm. right? Um, and they're fighting to the death, right? This is the thing about the fanaticism, right? It's a, it's a it's a it's a mass sacrifice of human beings in this attempt to 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 build some sort of coherence to the world, mm -hmm. desperate attempt, mm -hmm. I think. And that and that's the thing about fanaticism is I, uh, I sometimes I say things like I talked about suicide earlier, and that sounds. Sounds maybe extreme, but I really think that often fanaticism is the sort of last desperate gasp before suicide, mm -hmm. which is the reason why you're willing to go all the way. Right. Right. right? Um, well, you, I mean, you, you're essentially creating the alternative to it being the case that the enemy is the only thing preventing you from uh, not achieving the utopia, the, right. the good world. Right. Is that there's nothing for you there is no good like it wasn't the enemy it was yeah no that's right yeah 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 so so life's not worth living <laughs> life's not worth living if you don't win right right and this and this actually you know the fanaticism i mean think about like the actual mass suicides that occur when the nazis lose mm. for example i mean like yeah like they they actually do this right 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 okay so um now, now, what happens, of course, is that the United States, so England is sort of hanging out on the edge, kind of like refusing to surrender or whatever, fight, fighting their air battles. And then the United States comes rolling in. And, and the thing that's really weird about this historically is because we can start, you start plotting these like historical paths and like, oh, look how, you know, we're moving from ideology to fanaticism. And then we get the Second World War, which makes sense. But then you have this like massive outsider force that comes in mm -hmm. and and that is in a lot of ways i think um less developed right like we're, we're very economically powerful but historically speaking we're we're really liberals yeah you know and so still and so oh, we're, we're still ideological we're structured not... ideologically yeah. right absolutely structured ideologically which means i mean the thing the thing that we realize here is that is that what part of the part of a, a precondition of an ideological regime is that 
the society as a as a whole has not yet been ideology ideologicalized <laughs> yeah like reduced okay. to, to atomized yeah yeah so you have an ideological regime that's ruling over what amounts to still largely a traditional society mm -hmm. right um and it's being it's being undermined by the ideology but which is precisely why the ideology is can be so believable it's like you're still living within families and that's communities right and exactly friendships. so when so when the ideology says well all of this is coming from the peace provided by the state. They, it all like, sounds, oh, well, this is good. I like my friends and my family, right. my prosperity, my small business, all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Liberalism is great. Yeah. And you don't realize that that actually those are all the things that emerge from a, a non-liberal, a pre-liberal conception yes. of society and living of society, and that the liberal ideological, uh, ideological order will ultimately destroy those things like yes. it does. Okay, so, so when the United States enters in and wins that war, yeah. right, it it's sort of and, and extends this head this liberal hegemony over um what was once christendom and had descended into fanaticism it it sort of creates this false sort of pause mm -hmm. well you, you see a, a, a false return to or the like a reset state. yeah it's yeah. like all of a sudden we're in like the 1880s again yeah yeah, yeah. Well, don't, you know? <laughs> don't, don't you think this is sort of why like current scholars like can posit like the end of history thesis or like yeah right yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Thesis. i mean you you basically say well well it looks like liberalism won or yeah know, exactly and not and, and but not see it as well but this has already happened yeah <laughs> yeah right we're just we're just about to do it again yeah right so 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 that's the thing right is so the descent into the the ideological conquest of society the liberal conquest of society that has been occurring over the last 60, 70 years. Right, and that becomes what Europe does. It eventually becomes what Eastern Europe does. We're moving back. We're moving into, I think, a transitioning into a fanatical, an increasingly fanatical phase. So that that ideological pause uh -huh. is over. It's transitioning. And this is where we get things like where people go, people are all upset, say, about like woke capital and oh, Bank of America is funding antifa and blm and like and this is so weird and confusing and it's like they're getting all ideological and it's like no no that's exactly not that it's exactly it's exactly that they're cynical now right and and what was ideological was them not being involved in trying to stir up uh populations that serve their interests mm -hmm. that you know like that was the liberal ideological thing. Like when the businesses don't have anything to do, to do with, with politics, yeah. we just make things. We don't control human beings. We don't try to control what they think about the world. We don't try to manipulate them. Blah 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 blah. We're just businesses in here making profit. That was ideological. That was obedience to, to <laughs> right? uh, like, liberalism. Right. Like what's what's exactly what's exactly happening now is the is is the end of ideology, the surpassing of ideology, and the and the turn to just straight tyranny. Okay. Right. So so they're going to use the power that they have to maximize their interest, uh -huh. um, however they perceive that. Well, maybe we should back it, back <laughs> it up a little bit because I think it is a, it's a sort of conceptual whiplash to go from like um, okay. gulags to Bank of America, though. Oh, okay. <laughs> For some people, anyways. <laughs> uh, so I, I think you're right that we're, we're in a transition phase into fanaticism. And I mean this descriptively, not by any kind of like historical necessity. Yeah. Um, so one one of the things that I think gives evidence of this is that when you are still pursuing the truth, you still create communities. So I think we get confused sometimes between like radical ideas or like heresies, things that are wrong. Right. 
and then fanaticism. We can sometimes conflate these. Like, oh, there's right. a bunch of fanatics. Yeah, because they use the same language. Right. Often. Right. But you think about the difference between like the left in the 60s and 70s um, and even into the 80s where the various beliefs, no matter how crazy they were, were also a, um, a largely opposed to existing power structures. Mm-hmm. Like that was part of it. Right. And B, they actually met. So they were actual communities. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Like, like of communists. Of, Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I mean, I think about, you know, like the LGBT, what's now like this sort of expansive universal definition of like the LGBT community. Right. That has supplanted what previously was actual communities. I mean, I'm talking like no, that's right. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like, how peoples. are we going to be? How are we going to satisfy communism? How are we going to make it happen? Well, we better get together and start a commune. Right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. We like, don't even imagine like doing is, things. Yeah. yeah. And, and what's really telling is that is that when we think about that, we actually see it as something past. Like, like a commune is something that happens in, in the, the 60s and in 70s. the 60s and 70s. Right. <laughs> well, you think about what a commune is? It's actual belief. I mean, it's it's not. I mean, it's actual belief and then the pursuit of it within friendships so that it is an actual, like, however wrongheaded it is, right. it, it believes in itself and it's actually trying to attain, it's actually trying to attain a world in which it's coherent. That's right. Yeah. I mean, I think the whole, the whole 60s ideological movement yeah. um, is characterized by this sort of behavior. Right. But now, but now what do we have? So now we have an atomized population that when it says it believes these things, it means it as a kind of form of identity mm-hmm. that doesn't involve any actual development of a community, any pursuit of truth. Um, well, I think there's still still some of that, but well, it's not complete. Yeah. Well, what, yeah, what, but what I mean is like you have the kind of um, geographical uprooting of any particular place peoples that are actually a threat to a the social order Mm -hmm. Uh, and instead you have the kind of well it just becomes things we believe now right yeah yeah a member of the lgbtq plus community where are they everywhere yeah where do they work everywhere right where do they what 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 uh institutional orders social order like power structures authority structures are they a part of all of them Mm -hmm. right and who are their who are the bad guys where are they everywhere everywhere yeah where are they it's like it's <laughs> yeah you know i mean it's it's not um yeah it become it becomes i think what you're getting at is that these become these become conflicts this, the, the move into fanaticism is a move into that fictitious world rather than into the real world right so like right. You, you your identities become not uh, your identities become like almost by design you know, unlocatable like yeah. the actual the actual group so it's like it's like the way the nazis and i'm going to go back to the nazis and i this is an analogy okay <laughs> i'm not saying anyone is a nazi okay so but like the nazis when they begin in the 1930s they have to say things like when we're talking about the jews well we're not talking about i know your your neighbor is a jew and he's a nice guy we're not talking about him we're talking about international jewelry mm-hmm. right and you have to you have to like move from because people still have personal relationships right, yeah. and you have to say that's not what we're talking we're talking about this this other grouping mm-hmm. right 
Um, but then as as the 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 tyrannical regime progresses, you don't have to do that anymore because you've divorced, you've destroyed those relationships, right? And so now you can just talk about all Jews, and that's fine. You should, you stop with this sort of clause because right, you don't you don't trust your neighbor anymore, so you don't have a kind of point of resistance. Exactly. So now it's like if Christians are evil, you no longer have to say, I know you have like. You, these friends of yours who are Christian and they're not totally evil, but there's these other, but you can just, at some point you can just say Christianity itself is bigoted and evil. Right. Right. And that's plausible to these people because they don't know any Christians. Right. Well, because they don't know anyone. They don't know anyone. I mean, I was looking at, right. uh, so, a, yeah. I forget, I forget <laughs> the study and I hate, I hate not remembering citations, but uh, it was basically just analysis of how many close friends people had in the past versus now. And it's wild. Oh yeah. But, but you think about the way you're talking about those identities. Yeah. Right. So, so, if the modern atomized world makes you lonely, it makes you anxious, it makes yeah. you afraid. Mm -hmm. Now you're a, you you identify yourself as a member of some identity whose I, whose identity is that we are lonely, afraid, and anxious because this big bad world is mean to us. Absolutely, yeah. Right. That that's just a way of saying of explaining your condition, mm -hmm. right, and of making you now um, uh, susceptible to to command. Okay, because now you've you said, okay, I'm a part of this group. That's not a real group. It's spread out all over the country. Right, and, and anyone can use its uh, identity markers without actual any commitment or sacrifice. Right. So, but the, the 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 sort of existential condition that makes you susceptible to joining that group is exactly the same as the the condition that makes the guy susceptible to joining the hardcore right wing group. Absolutely. Right. It's the same condition of of loneliness and anxiety and vulnerability. Yeah. I mean, you think right? about. This was a um, uh, analysis made by Mary a Eberstadt. I've never said her last name out loud, so yeah, apologies know, in it. advance. Um, but, and, and I don't mean to over-psychologize it, but when we talk about atomization, we, we are talking about, about, about a loss of really basic traditional relationships, not even traditional, like natural relationships mm -hmm. within the family. Okay, so we're right. talking about uh, a culture of divorce in which less and less people know their fathers or mothers, however that works out. We're talking about a culture of, of having less and less children so that a person born in America is less likely to have um, relationships with, say, a, a sibling of the opposite sex. Like you might right. very well just have a sibling of one sex. Right. And why is this important? Well, because people aren't born with just a bunch of identifying characteristics like out of the womb it's like the relationships are the manner in which we are constituted as a particular mm. identity well That's who, right. who am i well i'm a son i'm i'm a brother to a sister i'm also a brother to a brother and i'm a brother to this sister and that sister right and this brother and that you know so like the the degree and it's not just a numerical thing right because obviously it's that these are relationships of love and trust and fidelity like obviously you can have you know you can have all these relationships and still have you know isolation and, and trauma from you know being it being a bad family or tyrannical sure, family of course. in fact that's it's exactly what makes it the the locus the the point of the ultimate good that also makes it the place where ultimate suffering can occur right and, and i would just right. say There's that, nothing that, worse than an abused child for example right absolutely and no, and no our, one more miserable and our and our regime i think is simply achieving structurally what would otherwise be achieved by like a real direct personal sin of like mm. abusing a child abusing like, yeah well, we're we, all abused children right <laughs> no, i think that's quite right so so what i'm getting at is that well so what what the what the family creates is that um or, or what the dismantled family creates is is people who no longer 
can point to those sure relationships as, uh, and I don't mean point like didactically, like there's people are sitting there like, who, who am I? Let me think about my constitutive relationships. The point is that when you have them, you don't have to think about it because you're healthy, you're secure, you're, you're bonded within a world in which people love you and constitute you. And and it's a world in which you're at home. Right. But now it's like, okay, my uncle, he's not really my uncle. He's a guy that I call my uncle because he wants to be called uncle or like, I don't actually have those relationships with my family. This is, this is my mother's second boyfriend who, you know what I mean? Like, so, so your ability to, to be at peace as a particular person who's within the eyes of another, who like, for, for whom others definitely constitute as being this type of person, mm-hmm. this particular relational term, uh, that goes away. So now when we're searching for identity, we have to look for groups outside of the family. We have to look for these larger groups, which is precisely what makes uh, these identities so appealing. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, you who, who are, are unable to constitute yourself within the realm of physical, like people who are around and you can talk to, um, you can achieve that sense of belonging by relating to this group, mm-hmm. okay? Um, you know, and maybe it's maybe it's something as big as the nationalists or whatever, but much more, the beginnings of it is always mm-hmm. just like, no, it's that you like these bands. Right. You like these shoes. Sure, exactly. You, you're a part of, you know. Yeah, hence like, like the high school, like, you know, the jocks and the goths. Right. And the... But like I think anyone with, <laughs> any, anyone with like a, a, a dim light of common sense can see that the movement from – those kinds of identifications to like identifications within like you know why do you become a satanist mm-hmm. why do you why do you in this in this world like become identified with a particular group it's not a different mode it's just that the stakes are bigger <laughs> right, right. like we're still children looking for fathers we're still children who who are trying to get over the initial structural abuse of a broken right family so this is anyway this is the argument Right, but it also explains a lot about the characteristics of fanaticism. That when we when we hear it and we see it, we often get these images of like people who are behaving like hurt children. I mean, you mentioned that they're willing to they're willing to die, they're willing to suffer, right? Mm-hmm. But that's precisely. I mean, like, like look at a child who's who's like thinks his parents are going to leave him. Right. Right. He's not like, oh, this is kind of hurtful. He, he's screaming. It's like, you know yeah, what I mean? Like yeah, it's devastating. Yeah, right. The point is that these relationships mean everything. They're, That's they're right. who we are as persons. And so right. when we attach ourselves to uh, alternative groups as a way of relieving the lack of these relationships, the, the, the manner of the connection is not rational mm-hmm. because, because children aren't rational. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it's like attachments of, of deep necessity. I need right. to be someone. I have to be someone. Right. I'll die if these people aren't here. I'll right. die if I'm if this is actually fake <laughs> or whatever. Yeah. So, anyways, I think this explains a lot of what we're, what we've been what we've been talking about, mm-hmm. um, which is that which is that the the move to fanaticism is always like a, a, a attempt at remedy. Uh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, I think that is, and it and it becomes. So I think it I think it it catches ideologues off guard lots of times the move to fanaticism, even though it's predictable. Right. So think about, for example, the the ideological feminists who 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 have to who seem to in the last couple of decades to have been sort of caught off guard. Absolutely. Yeah. And then by by the move into gender fanaticism mm-hmm. and then um, purged, just like just like how the just like how the believers in the Communist Party had to be purged. 
right? Right, absolutely. So so you had yeah, you had uh basic ideological beliefs. Um women are oppressed by the patriarchy. Uh the dismantling of the patriarchy will lead to a, a utopia in which um y- you know, women are equally valued right. as as right. men, you know, some variations obviously within the theme. But <laughs> now it's like, oh, these people are are fundamentally uh evil because they even posit gender as a uh yeah as a as a as a reality yeah right? because they're because they're willing to stand on some notion of truth even if they're mistaken mm-hmm. that makes them a part of the enemy and i think i think that's <laughs> no i think that's really important because one of the things that that we're wrong about when it comes to fanaticism is the idea of like fanatical devotion to an idea that's not it that's not it at all and i think the idea is malleable it can change well, it doesn't I th- matter and i think gender fanaticism is a really good example of it because i don't think it's it, i don't think it's simply that the idea can change i think that precisely adherence to a changing idea is what allows it to to fulfill you as fanaticism as opposed to ideology so what i mean is we talked a little bit about like the shifting of norms right, right. and the person who can follow the shifting of norms is right. most submissive That's to right. to the tyrannical order because he's constantly submitting it's not just a one-time thing because that's not what the tyrant wants. He doesn't want you to submit to one time thing because then he's trapped. He's trapped. He has to do that. <laughs> yeah. Well, you look at you look at the LGBT thing, and often, you know, conservatives will like make fun of it. It's like, oh, look, they're like adding, you know, there's 50 genders now, and it's like this never-ending acronym, or or like, you know, you were you were feminist now, but now you're sexist, or like even the gays and lesbians are now being being purged because they have like these conservative views. They're basically fascist now, right? Like, right. And, and the thing is, it's not that like some new idea, which is wrong, has come to uh, rival the old idea of gay, lesbian rights or whatever, right? It's that what we have entered into is a mode in which what is necessary is a constant submitting to a changing idea. So like the addition of genders and the ability to keep up with it is simply the form in which we constantly are able to devote ourselves to the cause for its own sake. Mm-hmm. That's the security that comes with fanaticism. It's not that like... That's right. That's the security. You don't have to figure it out. Right. You don't have to make the world, the ideas conform to reality. Mm-hmm. The ideas and the reality are just the same. You just, whatever whatever the idea is, is the reality. You're just whatever it is. That's and, what you're and living And what's really important so, is, and what that allows that to do is it takes the focus, and whether it's whatever, you know, whatever ideological breakdown this happens in, it takes the focus off the truth and it puts the focus on the enemy. That's right. Because what's consistent, what's coherent throughout the addition of you know another 20 genders or whatever, what's consistent is the oppressor. Mm-hmm. What remains is the fact that there are some people who, who want to hurt this group. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and right, it's, right. it's not like the changing is incidental. It's like the changing of that means it can no longer be the focus of your devotion. The devotion actually becomes to hatred of the enemy. That's right. Yeah. And yeah, isn't yeah. that the same with any, I mean, you talk about like, you see the same thing with like, you know, the, the idea of like a, a increasingly esoteric and obscure true communism, mm-hmm. you know, when you get to the fanatical stages, it's right. like, like, did you, did you get to the changes? Like, did, yeah, you, yeah. did you, did you, are you currently a pure member of the party? The point is that you don't know. How do you prove it? How do oh, you... but the fanaticism with the communists, I mean, you want to hear examples of just how crazy that got to where, sh- like show trials where the, the, the person on trial it not just admits to crimes that they didn't commit, but seems to believe that they did, mm-hmm. right? Like, well, the party says I committed it, so I must have. Mm-hmm. 
but that because the fanaticism is so great that even though their own life experience, like their own mind of what they in fact did or did not do is secondary to what how what is true has changed. Yes. Now what's true is that you're a, you're a, a counter-revolutionary. Okay. I guess I am. Right? right? So now I'll I will suffer whatever consequences the the party um Oh, but you the, see this you see this today in people's like people's like <laughs> I mean, I think it's just lily livered and cowardly, but they're like a poli- like the culture of like public apology. Yeah, exactly. Like, I didn't realize that I offended like this group of people, but now I realize, of course, that I must. Yeah. So, so I mean, it's hard to separate when you see those things publicly. It's hard to separate sort of cynicism from devotion or sure. from fanaticism, but they're both. I think they're both in play there. Yeah. But one of the things I think that we're getting at here is as as society shifts from an ideological to a fanatical framework, right? Then the 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 sort of political situation becomes one of incoherent fighting right where where they're not people aren't actually fighting with each other right so so what i mean is um we create this illusion that like the right is fighting with the left but i think in fact the right and the left almost never speak to each other mm. right like what's actually happening is the right is motivating its people into a fanatics a fanatical opposition to the left the left is motivating its people into a fanatical opposition to the right in a bid for competition over who's going to be the tyrant, right? Sure, I think that's probably that's that's probably going on, but it's an illusion that there's actual argument going on. Absolutely, I think that argument is almost not going on at all. How would you argue with a monster? There's nothing to argue with. You just have to destroy them. And, and I think right? this hasn't this been the turn in conservatism recently. Yeah, I mean, I think so. I think that you know, the, the one of the things that's we've talked about this before that's problematic is is that i think fanaticism is dangerous and terrifying but i also think the ideologues are wrong yeah right right so the fanatics have turned on the ideologues and i don't want to sometimes i feel like i get myself in a position where it seems like i'm defending the ideologues but i'm not so like so like you have you have for example i think on the conservative side the turn against the liberals Mm -hmm. the right liberals the turn against the libertarians against the like free market the consistent free market guys yeah right the guys who want a neutral space who want the rule of law who want you know that that, all that sort of old uh, ideological framework yeah the turn is screw them we should we should don't they understand that we're in a war yeah we should win right we need to win and um and it's like you yeah so you see that kind of purge of the intellectuals going on on the right as well as on the left right right um but the I mean, intellectuals are wrong. But the intellectuals are wrong on both, so I'm not defending them. Right. right. I mean, I think I think that the ideologues are wrong. <laughs> maybe maybe this would be worth lingering on a little bit because it's like, well, you have because what we are is a liberal ideology moving into fanaticism. You have an idea that the alternative to fanaticism is somehow a return to a liberal peace or order. Right. Right. Because what does what does like the the wishy-washy liberals say when he looks at all this fanaticism, he says, why well, can't we just have free speech and why, talk to each other? Right, exactly. It's like, oh, these students are shouting down this professor. Hasn't, has, haven't we declined? Right. Like, shouldn't we have these fair debates where we hear each other out? They don't understand that we've not, we've not regressed. We've progressed. Yeah. Liberalism we've progressed has... deeper into liberalism. That's the reason why, like, progressing deeper into liberalism, playing it out is where we get to the point where someone says your speech your inappropriate speech is is an act of violence mm-hmm. you're you're a monster and when you say those things those i those ideas that you're articulating people are dying yeah, yeah it's you're like a murderer you're a terrorist you're a terrorist yeah right that is that is not yeah that's a progression 
right. of the of the ideology. The ideology past its failed contradictions, you know. And I think just to point to maybe maybe a glimmer of hope here <laughs> is, <laughs> is that it doesn't have to be this either or between like a reassertion of the ideology or an embrace of fanaticism because what's missing in both cases truth. is truth. Yeah. Right. So like what. And, and you mentioned this, like when you actually get someone in a room and you're face to face. Yeah. Um, Anytime you do, it happens all the time. We have these big street festivals here in Steubenville, right? Mm -hmm. That that you're so awesome about organizing, and you, you show up, and it's like, oh, we're living in an ideological po polarized society where everyone hates each other, and there's thousands of people who I don't know, big crowds. How I know lots of them, but lots of people I don't know, and it's like, wow, we don't seem to be yeah. killing each other. Yeah. Like here's a big group of. It's like when you act. Yeah. So anyway, the point but, is when you actually get into a room with someone. Right, but the point is that it's the actual, <laughs> it's the actual communion that's established there that allows for a return of a common pursuit of truth and right. an acceptance of the person not as a monster but as wrong in their pursuit. It's like you know, you give the example we're on the street and you know, there's guys that I know are just I think really moronic Democrats. But the right. point is that I can at that point understand them as being morons, not as being monsters. Yeah, exactly. exactly. <laughs> um, and so and, and it's so not because like... it's not because I've entered into like a liberal mode. This is what mm -hmm. this is this is the thing. It's it's not like well, it's because I I acknowledge their a rights. public square in which their speech is protected or what you yeah. know what I mean? Something yeah. lame like that. Right. That's not the point. The point is that um that you'll hear them out because because you're a decent human being and you kind of want to be their friend. Yeah. Exactly. And so if they have something to say, you'll and, listen and, to them. And, <laughs> and, and that we're involved in an actual uh, uh, community of good that 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 is pursuing a good that's often um, irrelevant to us being wrong on certain issues. Right. And I don't mean that the truth doesn't matter. It absolutely fundamentally matters. But it's the point. The point is that we're thrown into a world of of heretics and 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 morons and people that are right, people that are wrong, and like these are the people that we have to deal with in order to get to the good. And that experience is one of friendship building. It's not an experience of war. Yeah, well, and, and the real world, the world of actual human experience is a world that demands humility mm -hmm. because you have to accept that you might be wrong, mm -hmm. right? I mean, that you might be wrong about something. This mm -hmm. is another human being who lives in this world, who's looking around, who's talking to people who I can talk to, who has things to tell me. Yeah. Maybe I have something to learn from them. Mm -hmm. You know, like there's a, there's a humility that comes into real human encounter, like in the real, a real human encounter in the world, right? Like as we try to make sense of the world together, there's a, there, I think that's in, inherent in it. I, I think, I think that has been so utterly demonized. Like what I mean is when you just said the words, like something to learn from. Yeah. <laughs> like, like I think the state of both, both conservatism and, and really just the failed ideology generally at this point has made that like, like when you said that you're suspect, but no, I'm now I'm now I'm a now I'm 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 a, like a, a you know like a, a spy like a like an insidious sort of like undermining the movement. Mm -hmm. don't, yeah, don't you understand? We have nothing to learn from them. We have to destroy them. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Both sides. Yeah. Totally. Say that. Totally. Well, because they 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 and 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 mention must be made, of course, of of the elephant in the room, namely. Uh, the fact that the, <laughs> the fact that, that the 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 very technologies that are accruing wealth to our tyrants um, are also making sure that most of our interactions are in in the mode of fanaticism, right? Because mm -hmm. if you if you like we we ask this all the time, like why why are people so mad on the internet or what you know what I mean? But it's like, well, when you actually 
divorce people from community and then have them speak to each other as um, identities that are geographically rootless and placeless and faceless, then the mode of fanaticism becomes very easy. Because that's what that's what it is. It is to view other people that disagree with you as monsters. Yeah, well, and online, there's no common world. It's a, it is a world of who dominates what space. Well, and it's completely delivered. I mean, it is the the achievement of the propaganda regime because yep. it's no longer saying like, um, okay, you need to like watch these shows or, or, or uh, sort of be a, a recipient of the advertising regime or anything like that. It's actually saying that this this world that we have designed is where human interaction should, takes place. Yeah, it becomes it becomes the primary world. All right. Well, I feel like we have to wrap this up. Mark. It, was, it was longer than I thought it would be. Me too. I thought this would be a short one. Me too. Fanatics, bad. No one likes be them. Be a Catholic instead. Yeah. Can you be a Catholic fanatic? Absolutely. You know what I mean? Like you can reduce. Oh yeah, you mean in a bad way? Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. You can reduce. You can reduce Catholicism. I think you can reduce it to an ideology, and then you can pass that into a fanatical devotion. Sure. Which again, like sometimes people like the online world is sure. so weird because you'll like run into people that are like, "Oh, I'm I'm Catholic and a Nazi, of course," and you're like, "What? How how does how does that happen?" And it's like, well, of course that only happens <laughs> when the truth is not the concern, right? right? Um, yeah, yeah. All well, right. There you go. That's fanaticism. Great tool of tyranny, dangerous tool of tyranny. It leads to its overthrow eventually. I mean, they it, it turn. I mean, that's one of the things about tyranny, right? Is that it, it always fails. Yes. Yeah. So, like, you know, it's important to remember that, like, the pre-Christian, the pre-Christian history is the history of the sort of meaningless rise and fall of kingdoms and empires, right? The sort of, and that's why they have this cyclical understanding of history, that, yeah, yeah. because it is, in fact, cyclical. just sort of cyclical, <laughs> meaningless. You know, yeah. hey, look, they're in the fanatic they're stage. Up, they come down. They up, they go down. Yeah. So you know, it, 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 this, it, I think it, like I said, the final gasp before suicide, and the, and, and something, um, you know, often that, I think that's actually accurate. Like the society, yeah, you know, destroys itself. And what's necessary is Christian conversion in yeah. a genuine sense. Like we need to have communities rather than geographically rootless identities. We need to have friends rather than sort of marching companions in an ideological war, or rather increasingly fanatic war like we need to have we need to pursue truth not not attack enemies right absolutely we we in fact need to cease we, we need to uh, love our enemies i, I think this oh. is this is not just a <laughs> this is not just a whoa whoa whoa, whoa. <laughs> <laughs> I, well i think i think it's worth maybe ending here because it's like it's not just that um it's not like loving your enemy is just this advice for how to like you know deal with some guy that irks you right it is necessary for christianity to be christian mm -hmm. because it is by loving the enemy right in that moment the enemy cannot be constitutive of your christianity like you are free of the enemy that's right when you love him because you only love him insofar as he's your friend which means he's not an enemy because that's how love works it, it, it loves what's common it loves what's right. good between us and so this use of the enemy as the constitutive no, force it's right. I see exactly has, has to be destroyed. And that's what the church offers. Mm -hmm. The church says, okay, here's a world in which because of sin, because of Satan, and because of the tyrants uh, who rule it, um, the enemy is useful. And the enemy becomes, in fact, ultimately the thing that we worship because it is what provides us with 
um, with identity in, mm-hmm. in, in a world. It's like we are against this person. So when the Christian comes along as actually converting, right, not just participating in this under a Christian guise, um, he looks at that enemy and and he kisses his feet, right? And, you know, this is also said, like, this is like putting hot coals on his head. It is because it is it is the destruction of the enemy as having the power to make us who we are. Right. It is the actual belief in Christianity as having a positive vision because it's true. That's right. It is the pursuit of a real kingdom, a building up of an actual community of people who, who know each other, who are united in love, and who are building actual institutions from streets to buildings to governmental bodies that that are real not because not because there's an enemy to be destroyed but because the world should be constructed as a pleasing offering to god now is this completely utopian yes because christianity is a utopia that fits <laughs> yeah yeah it's like the true one it's the true utopia why because it doesn't come from us yeah it comes from god right anyway. all right i think that's a good place to, to end let's do it let's end right now all right goodbye thank you everyone <laughs>